0: at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.
1: L.L. Cool J song, You Wrong. (laughs) He stole it. But Mr. Bernard Wright wrote a song, Who Do You Love? And Are You For Sure? And that was the question he was being asked the whole song. And he said, girl, I'm in love with you. Sure, as the sky is blue, just let me prove to you that my love is true. I'm going to pray ourselves the question of who do we love and are we for sure dear Lord I thank you for this day and for this opportunity I thank you for your spirit I thank you for your presence that I feel even now I thank you for this church and the light that is in this community and I pray that this word goes forth Lord and that I present it in the way you've given it to me I pray for open hearts I pray for open minds I pray that they will receive it with all of your love, with with all of your intentions for all of us to do better, to live better, and to reach the peaks that you have for us. I pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I'm going to read a scripture to you, and this is found in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34 through 39. And it says, don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. But he doesn't stop there. Then he says, if you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. And in this passage, I hear Jesus asking that same question. Who do you love? Are you for sure? Jesus starts out with an incredible statement, and he says, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. Now, out of all the imagery he could have used, why would he say a sword? What image does that bring? What does that give you? What does that make you think of? Well, for me, I use my imagination every time I read the Bible. And I started thinking, like, you know, how do, how do I, I help you understand from a natural standpoint? And I want you to do this with me. I want you to pretend for a moment you went out to an incredibly upscale restaurant and you took the person you love the most out to eat. This could be your wife, could be your mom, could be your child, be your boo, be whoever. That teacher that made such an incredible difference in your life. And you're sitting at the table having great conversation. And you notice, you know, there's a server that you have. And your server is going in and out of the kitchen. He's bringing you your food. And when he comes out one time, he walks and starts heading towards your table and he's got a butter knife. And he starts walking towards you with purpose. Well, in your mind, it's a butter knife. Somebody need to butter their bread. Somebody didn't get their knife when they came in. He might not even be coming to my table. You're not concerned. It's still a blade. He could do some damage to you with this. But that's not the thought process you have in your mind. The conversation don't even stop. You look at them and you not even paying attention. Okay. Well, same server. Same restaurant. Your server go to get your food. He goes into the back, and you notice he start coming back out. And this time, he got a box cutter. Well, if any of y'all are like me, that's interesting. I'm a, I'm probably not gonna leave. He could be opening a box. He could be scraping gum off of you know one of the chairs. Maybe he needs to cut a piece of paper on a really fine line. Now, I'm probably not leaving the restaurant, but I am going to keep an eye on you. (laughs) Just in case. Because while there's a lot of uses for this, it seems a little out of place in an upscale restaurant that you just came out the back of the kitchen, holding one of these, heading to my table. Okay, well, we understand it's still a blade. But say you got a server who leaves your table, and he go in the back, and he come out, and he walking with one of these towards your table. like me, the conversation has just ended. I'm not staying to pay for the bill. You can chalk that up to the game. It ain't getting paid today. Me and my loved one, I'm leaving out the quickest exit. I don't care if it's the front door. I might go back through the kitchen that you just came out of. Because when somebody shows up to the party with a sword, you look at that a little differently. Why? Well, because there's only a few uses for a sword. Y'all laughing because you know I'm not lying. What do you use a sword for? Well, there's a real short list. I cut things with the sword. I divide things with a sword. I remove things with a sword. I kill things with a sword. So the brother walking to my table with a sword, I'm not assuming he's here to butter my bread. <laughs> if he going to open a box with this, I don't even want to see what that box look like. So the imagery that Jesus uses where he says, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. Already should give you a mindset that what he's coming to do is not anything nice. He's coming to cut, to divide, to remove, and to kill something. Anything that gets between you and him, that's what the sword is for. So we get a very different perspective of that scripture by simply looking at the difference in the blades he could have talked about. So Jesus said, if you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. Well, Jesus is just blatantly telling you, number one, I'm showing up with a sword. Number two, Jesus is Bay. Now, some of y'all are like, "Bay, Bay, what? Watch? No. <laughs> Baby? No. People use it as that. There's a term that some young folks came up with a couple years ago. Before anyone else. Jesus said, I am Bay." I don't care if we're talking about your mama, your daddy, your kids, your dog, your job. I come before everything. Everything. Now, what I love about him even more He's just blatantly honest. In the book of Exodus, chapter 34, verse 14, he says, you must worship no other gods. For the Lord, whose very name is jealous, is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. Now, I'm going to tell a story. And I'm going to tell on my wife for a second. The wonderful part is I have the mic and she can't stop me. (laughs) I may pay for this a little later, but that's okay. It's worth it at the moment. (laughs) So back when we were talking, you know, talking, for those who may not know, that means you're not quite in a relationship yet. You're having negotiations. (laughs) She didn't know if she wanted me. I knew that she really did, and I was trying to make her realize it. We was talking. And I remember, you know, it was some other guys around that was interested. And I ain't got no problem with that. You cute. You got your life together. Other folks want you. I ain't got no problem with competition. It was another guy. We was friends, and he had been shooting his shot for a while, and that brother missed every layup. (laughs) And I was like, I'm not telling you to get off the court, but I am telling you I'm going to start shooting some free throws over here. (laughs) Just want you to know, I don't mind the competition. But I remember there was this other brother, and I ain't going to use his name, just in case he ever comes across this on YouTube. <laughs> so we're just going to call him the dude from Chicago. Well, dude from Chicago showed up, and he's a worship leader, and he can sing, that boy can sing. And we were doing a youth camp, and I remember three whole days of him being around. And he just flirting and talking. And she flirting back a little bit, and I'm like, uh-huh. Competition has arrived. But I'm not too worried because we're at a youth camp three days. And, dude, you're from Chicago. <laughs> you're going back after we leave here. So I'm going to go back to Kenosha and continue doing what I've been doing. Well, I remember maybe about two weeks later, I got a text message. Now, some of y'all, you're going to understand this. Some of y'all got messy friends. Sonia had a messy friend <laughs> who sent me a text message and was like, yeah, you know, it's a bunch of us hanging out. You should come over. Cool, I ain't doing nothing. I lived in North Chicago. I got up and drove to Kenosha about 40 minutes. Get to the apartment, knock on the door. And Sonia opened the door. The look on her face, though. Like, you know, how I'm happy that I'm black sometimes because I can't turn different shades and different colors. <laughs> she turned a shade of red that was like, what's going on in here? Oh, hi, how are you? I'm good. I look around the corner. Dude from Chicago is sitting in the living room. So they all hanging out, and the messy friend has invited me over on purpose. On purpose, y'all, on purpose. So I know some of you are super Christians. Y'all real saved. You would have looked around the corner and said, you know what? The devil is not going to use me tonight. I'm going to get back in my car, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to pray about this, and Jesus is going to have his way. (sighs) Y'all, I wish I could tell you I was that saved, because the boy is not that saved. So I looked at him and was like, let's come on in and see what's happening in here. (laughs) Y'all, I was petty for three and a half hours in that apartment. I made stuff so awkward on purpose, on purpose. I'm sitting there talking to him. So, hey, man, what you doing in town? What, what's going on? What, you, what y'all do today? And, you know, I'm looking dead at her when I'm asking. So, what y'all do today, huh? Oh, man, well, yeah, we had a good time. You know, we just hung out. Oh, did you? Yeah, we went and played mini golf. Oh, y'all was golfing. That's why you didn't respond to my text. Oh, okay, okay. Just throwing shade everywhere, everywhere. And I remember at the end of the night, I got ready to go home, and we ended up having a a very serious conversation after the fact. And I was telling Sony, I was like, I don't mind competition. Completely cool with that. People chasing after your attention and your affection, I have no issue with. But you entertaining it is different. Anybody in here can admit you got a little problem with jealousy? Anybody other than me? Oh no, nah, I got a few more hands over oh, yeah, here, Pastor If You say it first. I <laughs> I know I got some problems. I can't, I can I can't do that. I'll act stupid. Can't do it. I'm not gonna put myself in those situations. So it was a conversation of yes, I understand competition. I don't mind people seeking after your affection. However, if that's what you want, tell me right now. Just tell me. Because I will happily take a step back. I will still love you. I will still be here for you. And I will happily wait until this don't work out. (laughs) Because maybe he ain't the one. (laughs) But I was serious about that. And the same way it is for me in the natural is the way God is as well. He says, I am a jealous God. And I don't mind things seeking after your attention and your affection. But when you start entertaining it, I've got a problem. He says, don't put nobody before me. Nothing. He goes further and points out by name your loved ones, your mother, your father, your son, your daughter. If you love them more than me, you're not worthy of me. These are the people that you're going to love the most. So if you can't put them in front of Jesus, where do you think everything else lines up? Everything else lines up behind it. So I want to ask you the question of who or what is in your life making God jealous? Is it a job? <laughs> Is it a person? (laughs) I'm like, yup, (laughs) yup. Is it a relationship? Is it an addiction? Is it a desire? Is it an attraction? What is it that's making God jealous for you? Jesus goes further in the scripture and he says, if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of me then either. Pick up your cross, pick up your cross. You know, if you don't pick up your cross, well, what 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 is my cross, what is your cross? Well, specifically, your cross is whatever it is God tells you to die to. Understand the context that Jesus is putting everything in. He's speaking about what's going to happen to him. Jesus got to a place where he knew some of the next steps in his life was going to have him picking up a cross and doing something that he did not want to do. Do we spend enough time really thinking about, like, we say, oh Jesus sacrificed his life for me. He gave it all for me. He loved me so much, which is all true. But you know what else is also true? He didn't want to die that way. Like, for real, he really didn't want to die like that. You know, you're going to kill me, man. Just shoot me and get it over with. Don't torture me to within an inch of my life. And then tell me to pick up this cross and carry it myself to the place where you're going to put me on it. So when Jesus says, if you're not willing to pick up your cross, I've got some scripture for you. Matthew 16 and 24. Jesus says to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. You know what's really key there? He says you got to give up your own way. The way that you want to go. The direction you want to head in. How you want things to be done how you want to be elevated, how you want God to bless you. Jesus wanted the blessings that God had for him, but he didn't want it the way God said it was going to have to happen. But Pastor Jay, how do you know that? Matthew 26 and 39. He went on a little further and bowed with his face to the ground praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. I don't want to drink from this. But he ends with the most powerful statement. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. If you study this, you realize that Jesus actually prayed this prayer three separate times. Now, Jesus has been spending his entire life doing everything the father has asked of him with no questions asked. Since he was 12 years old, the Bible shows us that he was found in the synagogue preaching and his mama was like, hey, we've been able to find you for three days. Where have you been? Would you not know I'd be about my father's business? because his father said this is what you need to do so that all prophecy could be fulfilled. Jesus did a lot of things. He even spoke to his father when he raised Lazarus and he said I know you hear me always but I speak to you so that they may believe. There's nowhere else in the Bible I found that Jesus is praying that what he's been told to do he doesn't have to do. it. There's historians that said that it's possible Jesus was crying and sweating blood because his blood pressure was so high during these moments. Can you imagine? Knowing what's going to happen to you tomorrow. Jesus didn't want to die like this. He wanted to live. But there were greater blessings waiting on the other side of his death. And those blessings weren't just for him, it was for all of us as well. And if you look at it from the natural standpoint of what we deal with, I'm here to tell you, your flesh does not want to die to anything. It doesn't want to die naturally, and it definitely does not want to die to the desires and the attractions that it has. But if we're honest, knowing that we're made in the image of God, It's on the other side of that death that the blessings await us. Not just for us, but for those around us. I talked about it this morning, but we were born into sinful flesh. This thing right here got some desires that I know ain't good for me as a person. It wants some stuff. And it has no problem telling me what it wants. When it wants it, How it wants it, where it wants it at, no problem. But just because I'm attracted doesn't mean I should have it. And we live in a world nowadays where if I'm attracted to it, it must be right. Why? Because I was born like this. And I got news for you. I was born like this. I was born an amazing liar. 25 years of my life trying that out. I killed off everybody in my family just to get out of class. Hey man, I'm sorry, my grandmama died last week. I had to go home. Y'all like, whoo! And then I'd be in the room praying, Jesus, please don't let my grandma please. Just lie. No reason. Attracted to the outcome of the lie. I don't need to get in trouble for this. I need her to like me. I need to get this money. I need to win this game. Attracted. People are attracted to a lot of things. And I don't even argue with them when they say, Pastor Jay, I'm struggling. But I was born like this. I don't know what to do. Folks be arguing like, no, you wasn't born like that. Well, how do you know? Anytime people are involved and sin is involved, we can be born a lot of ways. But that's why Jesus said you must be born again. That's why he told us that. So you can be attracted to a lot of things. But here's the thing. If there's a certain outcome I'm looking for, then there's certain things I can't do. If I'm playing basketball and the outcome is I want to win. Well, it makes more sense for me to shoot at my goal instead of yours, doesn't it? But Pastor Jay, I'm attracted to that basket over there. Well, go ahead and shoot in it. And let's see what the end score going to be. But Pastor J, you know, I'm attracted. You know, these. They, so I struggle with snack cakes. <laughs> I'm attracted to them. Little Debbie is fine to me. (laughs) I can eat up all the snack cakes I want because I'm attracted. But if I'm looking at you saying, Well, I don't want to be big as a house, maybe I should put a couple of them down. That's true. What is the outcome I desire? There are athletes who forsake certain foods. Because they know if I'm eating this, this is not going to give me the outcome over here that I desire to have. So I have to push this to the side no matter how much I want it, no matter how many people around me are eating it, no matter how many folks in my family are putting it on plates in front of me, I can't have that. (laughs) Tell them to quit putting that on your plate. Because there's an outcome I'm trying to get to. Jesus is the same way. Jesus tells, he tells us, and I'm going to read the scripture for you because this ties in with it. And we're just about done. Jesus says in Matthew 19 and 29, and everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children, or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. <clears throat> so it's not just the pushing aside of the things. It's not just the pain and the hurt that comes with forsaken, sometimes family. I'm trying to inherit eternal life. This entire life right here, right now, is a test, y'all. It's a test. It's a test. It's only a test. It's only a test. It's only a test. It's only a test to see who's going to graduate to the next level. I refuse to get held back. My only desire is to stand in front of Jesus and have him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's all I want. That's my only desire. I don't care what I got to say no to. I don't care who I got to push to the side. I don't care what I got to get rid of. That's all I want. Then he wrote this amazing book. And he said, just follow what's in it. If this eternal life thing is really what you want, push these things to the side. Well, Jesus. And this is how I'll talk I'm like Jesus, I hear you. But some of them things over there, like I really like them. Some of those things over there, I'm naturally attracted to. Some of those things I, I enjoy doing. And what I love about God, is, like, you can go do them. I'm not here to stop you. But you can't have this and that. You don't get both. And then he looks at me and says, so who do you love? Are you for sure? Because it's a choice. God who says, I put before you life and death. Choose life. I'm going to give you the options and then I'm going to give you the answer. We're the ones it's like life and death. You know what, let me see what this death look like. Y'all laughing, but we do it every day. Because every temptation that comes to us, we should be able to pick it up, hold it up to the light of God's word. Do I love this more than I love Jesus? That person you're in a relationship with, the God that already told you to die two, three, or four times... And you them to die to it the way you want to? Well, Jesus said, kill it off completely. Have no more conversations with them. And you think you slick. you like, well, I won't talk to them, so you just send them a text. <laughs> Jesus, we're not talking. I just sent them a Facebook message. When he says, pick up your cross... I love the fact that he don't tell me to pick up Elder Kern's cross. Maybe I couldn't carry Elder Kern's cross. You don't know what my cross is, so he don't tell you to carry mine. He says, you carry your cross, whatever that cross may be. And if you are unwilling to die to the things that he's telling you to die to in the way he's telling you to die, he says, you're not worthy of me. And he's not telling us to do anything he did not do himself. Jesus did not want to die the way he did. He had no desire to be on that cross the way he was. But he said, not my will, your will. Because at the end of the day, as much as I love my life, I love you more. As much as I love my will, I love yours more. I want what you have for me. We have a lot of talented and amazing people throughout this congregation. We can do some things in our own power and be successful. Naturally. Smart. Educated. Talented. Good with your hands. Good with your mind. Able to sing. We could get some things done on our own. But we would never accomplish what God wanted us to do. And only he knows what that is. So when he's telling you, let this go, let this die, kill this off. It's because there's an outcome he's trying to get you to that is going to be more beneficial for you than you even know at this moment in time. So Jesus says, because I love you, I came to bring a sword. And if there's anybody in here who realizes that there are some things in your life that it's time to die to. Jesus said, I'm here to cut. I'm here to divide. I'm here to remove. I'm here to kill. Whatever it is in your life that's keeping you away from me. So I'm not asking for you to do anything crazy. I don't need you running around. This is a real heart check. This is a mind made up decision. If you know for a fact that there's some things in your life that God has told you, it's time to let that go. Can you just raise your hand? Are you able to just raise your hand? You know what? Yeah, Pastor Jay, I've got some things. Some things that I know I need to cut. Some things I know I need to get rid of. Some things that I know I need Jesus to, to help me kill. I need to die to this. For those that are in here that know who Jesus is without a shadow of a doubt, I'm asking you, even as I'm talking, to just begin praying, just begin praying softly. He's already here. One of the worst nights of my life was being handed my mother's clothing from the hospital. And the nurse looking at me and saying, you can take these home. And it took me three or four minutes to even understand what she was saying. Take these home for what? These are her clothes. She's going to need these. Nurse couldn't even bring herself to tell me, your mother's not leaving. She's not going to need these. Because see, when you die to things, when you die to things, you're no longer affected by what happens to them. I took my mother's clothes, and you know what? She wasn't worried about them. I drove her van, took it home. She didn't ask me where I was going with it. We went into her bedroom and cleaned out everything. She didn't ask us, what what are you doing? That's my stuff. We went to the bank, took the money out of all her accounts. She didn't say, that's my money. What are you doing? She had died to those things. And when it's time to really die to things, how you know you've completely died to it, you don't care about what happens to it anymore. It doesn't matter. That person that used to give you a fit when they came around the corner, when you really died to them, you're going to walk up to them and give them a hug because it don't bother you no more. Them people that used to talk about you, that uncle that hurt you, those people that stole from you, those situations that you dream about every night and can't find peace from, when Jesus gets involved and you truly die to it, oh, you get a great night's sleep. You can see them very same people that stole from you and you'll hand them money because you see them in worse shape than you're in. When you really die to things, None of that matters anymore. And that is what Jesus is offering you today. It's time to die. It's time to separate. Time to kill some stuff. Some ass saints keep praying. I'm going to pray for those of you that had your hands up. Thank you for your honesty. Today is a new day. It's a new season. And we're going to pray for strength. We're going to pray for clarity of mind. We're going to pray that you actually follow through on what you're saying. Because me saying I'm going to kill something and me actually killing it are two different things. Me pulling out the sword and putting it at a person's neck is very different than actually putting it through. And I know for a fact God would not give me this message if there were not some people in here that need to hear this. Today is your day.
0: Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Parkline Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.